This is Michael Drake, Chancellor of the University of California, Irvine. And whenever I get the urge to hear the voice of independent music, I tune in to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine or over the web at KUCI.org. KUCI, thanks for tuning in to Our Digital Future. The last time it'll be on Friday at 4.30 for this quarter, end of quarter. And today we have a very special guest in studio with us. I'd like to introduce you to Matthew Buga. Hello. Thanks for returning to the station. (coughs) Yeah, Um, no problem. It's a pleasure. You were the former music director here at KCI Mm -hmm. a few years ago, and you were a fellow Bachelors of Film and Media. Mm Mm-hmm from class of 2010, such as myself, and you've also worked at the libraries here on campus. Yes, indeed. Such as myself. Mm-hmm. We have a similar path here in um, film and media and music, radio. And you have um, still a passion for information science. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I eventually plan on heading back to school for it, but right now I'm kind of doing some uh, preliminary research on my own and investigating uh, the role of libraries. So you're working on a a book, you're like a graphic novel type information science piece, is that correct? Yeah, something like that. Um, I'm just kind of putting it all together at the moment, kind of outlining it, kind of taking information solely. Um, I'm kind of at the same time practicing on my uh, comic form as well, but definitely that'd be the uh, eventual thing to do, you know. And tell us about what what do you want to convey in your your graphic novel comic information science piece you have a lot of um, great information to share with the listeners well uh, mainly what the information age really means and the mythos that surrounds it um, I feel like it's something we all hear all the time and it's gone through even like certain or it's gone through a few phases as well you know information superhighway back in the day and uh, I kind of feel like each time they give it you know some different kind of spin um, whether it's the uh, technology or user content or the third less acknowledged facet of it, which is user interface, um, which I'll go back and explain those a little later. And then it goes to kind of like studies of like w- how taking advantage of and improving this kind of uh, information science tools. Um, information literacy, all these things, these things in real life, and how it isn't just more, and or also when new tools are made or improved, as opposed to um, just having a better, quicker YouTube or a better search engine, like particularly big shifts in it, and uh, just in how libraries, I think, should can improve with all this because the original mission or kind of how the original mission of library information science or some some schools now just go by information science got the whole mission statement behind that how libraries can improve how other things can improve not just libraries and the implications of all all of this you know what it means down the line like socially um and from individual scales to even like entire societies and you're going to have um, things about infobesity, like buzzwords. Tell us a little bit about yeah, those. Yeah, infobesity. Um, I'm also fond of uh, information black hole. It's kind of fun. They both have similar meanings, but yeah, there's that, that little nuance is 
might be kind of intense, you know, with Infobesity, you got it, too much version stuck in one place, so it's a black hole, you're just like throwing it down wherever, you know? But, yeah, I mean, because I, I, mean, I think that's, I think when people don't talk, when people talk about the information age and, oh, so much is at our fingertips, they just think about that and how smart we are, how much smarter we are, but they don't really consider the fact like, oh, well, yeah, you have it, but are you really using it? I mean, and how, how, how often are you being taken advantage of because you don't really realize of of how informationally illiterate a lot of people are, you know, this because this, I mean, this is, I mean, this is especially relevant right now with politics and everything because, you know, you can skew data as much as you want, you know, like people using just two examples to compare and there's plenty of crazy things that are being said that can, could be fact-checked like right away and people could, you know, just get a more skeptical eye with all of it. And then you have um, a theory about long tails. Tell us more about that. Yeah, this is something that I, I'm that like. I re- it kind of came to me. I was really excited because you know, um, the chances are, if you're listening into this, you're a fan of KCI. You may have, you know, been into alternative things. You know, when you were young, like my I guess my thing was I was really into like punk and whatnot. And what I'm curious about is increased accessibility to the long tail. And the long tail is basically what Netflix built their business model off of. Like, they, they, they didn't make all their money off the top of having a huge inventory of the top five blockbusters. They made a lot of their money from this, and, 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 and by long tail I'm referring to like a, a graph, to those last kind of movies that like three people would order, but you get thousands of people who wanted to see like this one movie or or you get like thousand groups of like three people who want to see this one movie you build that up you know and that gets to be greater than you know the amount of people who want to see these top five films but so what we're, what we're seeing now with all kinds of blogs is that the long day like there's a lot of increased accessibility to it and back to being alternative and like KCI fan into punk or into collecting something weird or whatever scene you're into, a lot of that was kind of based around kind of gathering this one thing, you know, like really into rockabilly, you know, there's plenty of theory and all, you know, like how subcultures, they kind of take something, they reappropriate it, etc. And it was, and it was kind of like despair to entry in a way. Whereas now it's a lot easier to get to get to all these things from music blogs to film. So when you define yourself with these kind of things, it's it's not quite. It's either it's both easier and also not quite the same. But there's a lot more of it. And so I'm curious as to how that is going to affect uh, like sub uh, sub subcultures, you know. And I think that I mean it could it could do a lot. It could that's a phrase that I kind of like is everything is huge, nothing is weird. And I think on like on, on the individual level, that means that you'll see that there's so much of like what you want, not only like from not only from like around not only other people who like what you like. That's only one facet of it. But also, if you have if you come with a critical eye, that there's been people who have kind of like been using this kind of art form or imagery for a long time to express the same kind of thing like i mean you can find black alternative film from like the oh, 20s or 40s somewhere in between there like uh, like us like oscar michaud 
Um, and then of course you could you could have always found out about it before, but you have to find the book. You have to be really looking for that. But now it's it's a lot easier to find an Oscar me 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 show film, and you see this, and you're like, oh wow! Like back then, like even people were kind of having this discourse on race. It isn't you know me who just had this like fun idea about like oh I think this. It's like man, no people have been making this kind of stuff for centuries and so accessible to you now so it's almost so it's kind of like inspirational almost because you you know because me and you can finally feel like we're standing on the shoulders of giants in a way yeah i enjoyed that (laughs) there's so much accessibility through libraries museums and archives as well as online through the you mentioned a phrase um before the show information superhighway Mm. and all the different words that we've used in the past Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they they, they do kind of bug me because I always I almost feel like they're partly so much a creation of like PR people and writers. You know, I mean, and they yeah, you know, they they're doing what they get paid for. But um, there there is some truth behind it. As I mean, even though they do blow it up really big, there is something there. Always something does happen. And, you know, like, you were Person of the Year in, in, like, two years, 2008 to 2007 with the YouTube thing, or six, one of those years. And um, it's kind of funny, even though they, they're kind of right, they always kind of miss the target. Like, with, with, the, with, with the YouTube, like, ah, it's user-generated content, like, we can all do things like that. Well, that was part of it, but you could always kind of do that, like... If you're old enough, you remember Tripod and Angel Fire and all these little sites you could you can make your own website, you know. And then a lot of people did that. Then after that, you MySpace was like really customizable. Unlike Facebook, you could do all the HTML, CSS things. You could hardly make it look like the like like the uh, default. And YouTube came along, and they it wasn't necessarily that more people were interested in doing it at first. What it made it the user interface was much much better. Like, and there's been a bit of a trend towards that, is making user inter- interface a much better thing to look at. Like, when we talk about Facebook, they don't understand about the user interface. Like, I never, when you, people compare MySpace to Facebook, they always talk about, like, oh, it was so, like, MySpace was clunky and it was all this spam and whatnot. But what it really is, is just, like, it was so easy to do any anything and there was no real reason to have to use HTML or any of that. You know, if you want to write a comment, everything's in there. You can't use HTML and Facebook. And so, whereas that used to be a limitation, they went and just embedded everything so you didn't even have to. So you could just post it and it would become a link on its own. And a lot of that was user interface. Not so much that it's easy, not so much user-generated content, because in a way, you you could always do that. And I, I think that's something that may follow user interface in innovation and i feel like some people don't really talk too much about yeah so the technology was always there it's just now that that we learned how to make use of it i also think also the the physical technology became more affordable oh yeah i mean there's definitely yeah technology is yeah there's definitely improvements in that and becoming more affordable that's definitely a part of it too um yeah and even within it's even actually 
you know, and you can even look at the history of programming lang languages too. If you want to go on the tech, if you want to go towards the technology side, like HTML5 is coming out soon. What's or, that gonna do? Come out? Oh, geez. Well, basically, it's 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 backwards compatible. You can make the same website with HTML and HTML5. Well, actually, HTML5 just makes it easier to embed things. Like you can do that. But the whole thing is, whereas sections in in plain HTML, you would use like a div tag. Like it would it would it would just there was just only a few categories in the programming or in yeah in, in the uh, language. Whereas HTML5. You can have things that have the same function, but they just have, they're only different by name. And so what this does is you can outline it. So you have article, section, menu, table, um, different kinds of headers. And you, so how, when you write a website, you basically, with HTML5, you basically put it in that structure and you can and you can and and you and then you can check if you did it right by putting it into HTML5 outliner and if you did it right you and you just put the, you put your HTML5 in the outline will come out just like if you were writing an essay or something and the whole thing behind this is this is all for search engines basically make searching even better you know oh like metadata and tagging and yeah um, yeah 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 there yeah exactly um yeah if i <laughs> i sure said metadata right away but um yeah basically it's and they're basically making it yeah they're yeah it's like xml like this doesn't you can put anything there before i but now if you just put the right tags they it's all set up and it's, uh, it's meant for more just for search engines in general and so it's kind of an exciting thing because now so you, in a way you'll be able to search for videos much easier as well and then you're um when do you think you'll you'll be done with maybe your your research for um well i was hoping to have it ready in time for the next application cycle so i guess that'd be yeah i guess in yeah in, in about a year um i'm hoping so but yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, <laughs> hopefully, yeah, I'm hoping to be like, hey, I got this. Or I mean, even if I don't have it completed, which I plan to do eventually, because that's actually another thing I'm curious about. Is like the reason that it isn't in comic form, because it's it's in a way information literacy in itself. A, a, a comment on it, like graphic novel form for things, because it's. I mean, I think. Um, it's just an easier way to learn. Um, it's something that I discovered at, at when I was working at the library in physical processing. I noticed there was a few textbooks that were totally academic quality. They're from university presses, and um, but they were very like graphic novelish, uh, essentially. And I felt like it was a very quick primer into whatever subject it, 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 uh, it was just because you know you just goes in easier and I mean think of it as like a very diagram heavy um, textbook but just with easier to read diagrams you know yeah that would be great for every major almost I think yeah I mean I think it's definitely something that should be in should be investigated more I mean I know like educators have studied that you know certain kinds of textbooks are better at teaching and you know and I think that's one way to go with it is make them more graphic essentially 
And then um, when you have a search engine, you have to be able to search the images. So they'd have mm. to tag the images correctly. Because yeah. right now, if you're looking through a database of articles, you just search the words. Yeah, that would be actually yeah, that would be a very tricky part about uh, about the future of graphic graphic novels. Novels. Ooh, I got all picking up an accent all of a sudden. Um, as textbooks, but yeah, that would be uh, another update with all you that. That's um, influenced by your your film and media, maybe background. Yeah, visual, yeah, very visual. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, because I was so into film, and and I think what I'm kind of learning, I'm kind of in- interested in information visual representation. Because when I was in the film, I really liked really like obscure stuff, and you know, and I always tried to justify it, and I you know. But then at the end, I kind of realized, like, wait a second. I think it's maybe it's not all these like topics. Maybe I just like getting information this way. And I think you know, like, there are plenty of studies of people learning educationally through visual forms. And yeah, um, I think it's definitely something worth investigating. Like, after all, you know, you could make an argument that popular web websites and apps. Oh yeah, you can look at like look at the iPad even. Like, it's pop- like one of these things so popular is this user interface. So. Maybe it's time for textbooks to update too. Yeah, what if and then there's audiobooks, but mm-hmm. then that's all just audio. So I think pe- people weren't learning different ways, you know, visual, audio. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when on. we nail all these things we can become a very smart society. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's just something else I had mentioned earlier to you was I was wondering with but like going back to Longtail about how easy it is to get all these things, you know. Um, the consumer, I mean, like yeah, the, cons- the, con- the consumer thing. Because I'm, you know, I'm only like, I'm about to be 24. I'm still young, but even I'm getting a little tired of. I, I have nowhere near the appetite that I used to have for like music and like film and books, or maybe it's more narrowed. But almost feel like consumers, like we might get so exhausted by consuming all we have maybe we'll be totally become a less consumeristic society in like a generation or two just something people don't don't actually think about but who knows well probably that has to do with um as music director you probably listen to all kinds of new <laughs> things all the time <laughs> and then you probably maybe you got tired of all this new stuff and just i'm just gonna stick to my old stuff yeah, and not that was look for new things so so much out there Sure, that's definitely uh, something worth noting. Is uh, definitely the amount of music that I dealt with as music director. That was, I think, that was a that was a slow turning point of like, all right, yeah, new music. I mean, I, I still find new new music now and then, but definitely at a much slower pace. I'm not trying to get my hands on everything anymore. But you can also find it at the library. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> as well as graphic novels. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I definitely recommend uh, anyone to go to the library and like just look at the graphic novels and just this, like or comics and see kind of what's so awesome about them because I think they 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 are a very uh, underappreciated uh, medium that I think is overdue for a revival. And not just for entertainment, but like you mentioned, there's like textbooks type. Oh yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I feel almost like a little uh, a little. Um, I'm a little bummed that in my education in film and media, I didn't learn more about comics as like a visual art form, because I've been kind of trying to think about it more, and uh, yeah, that's really, it's really cool, man. It's really something, I think. I did see on- online in a PDF format, um, and some library elsewhere has made like a guide for using their 
their uh, materials, and the guide was a graph in graphic novel form, like um, Attack of the Zombies, and yeah. how you go look for the current periodicals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even like yeah, think about instructional things. You know, like they always have it in in a uh, pictures, and you could say that might be because of language, but but really ask yourself like. You have to admit, it's a little easier to see these pictures, and you automatically get it, even though they're so, they're so like symbolic. They're not detailed at all, but you immediately understand. And so, would you uh, would you uh, absorb like three or four little square pictures in a row, or like four four slightly longer bullet points that are essentially saying the same thing? Very good point. Yeah, yeah. So the whole yeah, so the whole thing I'm interested in, you know. As far as information, literacy, and, you know, graphic novels to keep in touch with all this, you know, digital age information, is, uh, I think that's one thing that is very understudied, is basically the um, cognition of comics and, like, the visual form as a way to spread information. Well, I know there's the vi- the whole visual literacy is a hot topic if you research just the term visual literacy or image literacy. Hmm. So that's what they're actually um, teaching in s- in schools instead of this like textual textual literacy. It's like a new phrase and topic hmm. out there. Yeah, believe it or not, I have a very good anecdote regarding that when I was in the Republic of Georgia, which is south of Russia, not the state Georgia, but of of how image literacy is like a real thing or you could you could call it computer liter, liter literacy perhaps too but in georgia when i needed to refill my cell phone they had these little like uh cell phone booth things that had like a touch screen and you would pick whatever you need to do etc and it was all in georgian which is a very like which is not in the roman alphabet they have their own system of writing kind of looks like lord of the rings writing so it's very nice but as a foreigner who couldn't couldn't read the language, I managed to do it pretty quickly. And I had noticed that when people came into the capital of Georgia from the villages around it, you know, and they were trying to mess around with it, it took them a very long time sometimes, even though they could read it. And I think it's because they just, you know, whereas they got my young guy, like we kind of grew up with so many kind of like, like image things, user interfaces that are really like trying to get us... As, symbolic yeah, symbols symbolic and simple as possible and that's something that actually that, that moment actually kind of was inspiration to me with all this like wait like I can't even read what I'm doing but I can do it quicker and it's it isn't because people like aren't smart it's just like that's that's that I think I said something something ab- about the brain you know and it was just like hmm. <laughs> that's good to use I think um, for everyone just you know make everything have a symbol and an image corresponding and that becomes just universal and there is a literacy around it too even which i think is really you know crazy because you know you always think like "Ah, i I get it but hmm, yeah it's sort of to me like when you're watching a film with subtitles do you watch the subtitles or do you watch the (laughs) the film the images (laughs) Ooh, now you're getting the weird cognitive neuroscience (laughs) if it's in your language or is if it's in a different language? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a crazy thing, man. <laughs> um, 
yeah, but put this yeah, all so, into your book. Yeah, someone you, you know, you can actually study that if you like, if you uh, watch people's, if you record people's eyeball movements. Like, yeah, I saw like a study like that re- re- uh, recently where they showed all all these people like the same painting, and they kind of like filmed their eyes to see where their eyes were moving, and they moved all in different ways. I like actually. They do that with websites so they can see the user interface. Yeah how it's most yeah it's crazy huh mm-hmm. yeah they're figuring out how the yeah exa- man and that's something like as far beyond me um, which would be a really amazing and be a great interdisciplinary meeting of neuroscience and like information science you know especially information design in a way um, but I think there's room for actual like information databasing all that etc and figuring out how your brain likes to do it have you heard the term information architect yeah yeah a little bit yeah, yeah. That's a very interesting phrase, I believe. Yeah, it is a fun one. Even though, like, I, even though a lot of it can just be kind of like making really good SQL databases or trying to program a, a new one. But yeah, great phrase brings up so much for the <laughs> information scientist. Yeah, it's such a romantic term, you know. That's definitely a way better thing to say anything than to say anything with, with databases, you know. You could, yeah, you could really spin that to be a really good, like, you know, pick up thing in tomorrow. Like, what are you doing? I'm an information architect. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I may have just outed myself as like a big awkward doofus. No. <laughs> and be like, can I get your information? <laughs> but yeah, no, all that stuff is super great. Um, and I want to remind everyone you're listening to Our Digital Future with me, ZVZ, and today's guest is Matthew Buga, former KCI music director as well as library employee of ECI and it involved in the information science field doing research but had his um, bachelor's recently film and media I actually got to walk with you down the mm-hmm. cap and gown aisle that was good times are you uh, UCI for life trying to get back in <laughs> uh, maybe I mean yeah I would you know love to keep on working here you know it's a good library system you know, I'm familiar with it with all the archives and all that jazz what about here at KUCI coming back? Ah, KCI. Um, maybe eventually we'll see. Um, I got a kind of lot on my plate right now, but yeah, who knows? You know, maybe once I get better at programming, I'll maybe try to offer some kind of services to KUCI, make it more, even more for the digital age. Yeah, thank you for sharing your information. Those are great deal ideas on the long tail and. The, info buzzwords and all the great visual literacy um, graphic novel textbooks ideas and we hope to hear more from you in the future is there a website you're sharing all your info with a blog or anything hmm not yet um, it's all kind of starting up slowly um, but if you really are a diehard person you could eventually could I you could probably check it out my on my blog later you know, Maddie. Google, Google him. Yeah. Or it's maddiewhatever.tumblr with no E. That's a great site, too, Tumblr. Oh, yeah. Now and then have you heard of Pinterest? Because it's similar. Oh, no, yeah. Someone trying to get on Tumblr's <laughs> coattails. Ooh. Yeah. But no, no, now now Tumblr, that's a real crazy thing. You could talk about that. Oh, yeah. All in, in, in implication of that site. So, yeah. so much to talk about. Yeah, it's, it's a super streamlined blog site that... And our show's yeah. over. Okay. <laughs> but thank you for coming down. Again, we had Matthew Buga here on Our Digital Future. And this is my last Friday at 4.30 slot. But check me out Thursdays at 8.30 a.m. I'll be on 
same great uh, host here, Zimizi Vizi. <laughs> so um, I want to thank um, Fridays. Next up is the chat room 5 to 6 with Edgy Talk. And this is going to be with your great host. Stay tuned. Thanks for coming down. This is KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome.